Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. He led the Pulaski Academy Bruins to nine state championships in his time there. Bill Belichick described him as probably the best high school coach in the country. His unique strategies garnered attention nationwide. The Zone welcomes Kevin Kelly into the show. Brought to you by Bowen Hefley Orthopedics. The best surgeons, the best treatment, all focused on you. Unfortunately, Coach couldn't be with us in person today, but we'll take him on the phone. Happy to have him on the Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline. Coach, good morning to you. How are you? Doing fantastic. How are you guys? Pretty good. It's game week, so that's good. We can quit talking about like conjecture and you know guess games and you know picking how many wins are going to be in the season that kind of thing. We can actually talk about an opponent and start you know breaking down what we see on the field or at least attempting to. So that's what we bring you in for. Man, that, that's and that's a it's a good relief I think for everybody. Everybody loves the lead up, but then you get tired of the lead up and you're ready for the real action and stuff. And so I'm glad it's here. It'll kick off Thursday night. There's a ton of games. That'll get us all ready for Saturday. So I'm excited about that. But, you know, I thought I thought something uh, interesting um, that, that's been going on in the week and I've been hearing about or, you know, or we're talking about, well, they've lost their two good D-backs. But I think the weird weaknesses or the lack of experience, what, what both teams lost, are something neither team can really exploit. And here's what I mean by that. You know, they lost their, their those two really good defensive backs. And Sauce Gardner, some people think he was the best one in the whole draft. And uh, uh, but, but, you know, we lost the receiver that we would use to exploit that, and these other guys are unproven. So they've got unproven secondary, but what we attack them with is unproven. You know, and then everybody's like, well, they don't have, uh, you know, our defensive line, you know, is, is inexperienced. That might be our question mark. But then again, you look over there and, and you look and you go, well, at running back, you know, they've always ran a lot of guys, but nobody really stood out. So their offensive line is pretty good, but maybe they don't have the running game to exploit that. And they certainly might not have the quarterback, even if we can't get a pass rush, that can sit back there and pick us apart. So it's going to be an interesting matchup because, like I say, nobody can go in and say, well, they lost that and we've got this guy that could just attack them. And, and so I think that's a lot of fun. And, and I think it'll tell a lot about, and like all first games will, both teams as, as they start off the season, but it'll really tell us about our hogs and what our coaches are thinking they need to do with these younger guys with these inexperienced spots. When you have a game like this that Arkansas is entering, and again, you've got a proven opponent, but you do have unproven quarterbacks, and they both go about a little bit differently. When you're dealing with a dual-threat guy versus more of a pocket passer, does that change your preparation defensively a lot? I mean, is that as difficult as we think it might be? Yeah, I mean, on the defensive side of the ball, for for sure they would rather know who the quarterback's going to be. And because you, you do have to spend a, a decent amount of time preparing for both kinds and both uh, ways that they would do things. Because a mobile quarterback presents a set of issues that, you know, arguably argue, uh, all teams have a little more problem with if he's a really good runner and thrower. And uh, Arkansas showed a little bit of problem with that in the past. I'm sure they would rather them settle in on the pocket passer, all things being equal. But then again, you know, if you've got a great pocket passer and you're talking, you know, especially if you look over the years of the NFL, the, the pocket passer is always the best, the Tom Brady's, the Drew Brees, the Peyton Manning's, and not that any, either one of these kids are going to be that. So, But time-wise, the Razorbacks have had to split time on defense preparing for those two guys, and that's a problem. And that's the only reason Fickle doesn't announce to the world who's going to be a starting quarterback because he knows that's causing some problems and reducing the amount of time that Arkansas will prepare for the one he does start. 
Sounds like uh, maybe you're uh, thinking of the way I'm thinking. This could be a lower-scoring game. 52 points seems like a lot to me for the over-under total. You know, I was on another uh, uh, avenue, and, and we had to make predictions, and I predicted, you know, a, a close game. And then I look back at it, and I'm like, I do think it's got a better chance to be a lower-scoring game because both teams, you know, if you're them and you're starting out a new quarterback, you know, they're gonna, you just naturally play it a little more conservatively. And especially when you lose a quarterback that might be a starter in the NFL, you know, you, you just you see the drop in, in talent and experience, and you just have to play it conservatively. And, and at the same time, Arkansas, without Traylon Burks, they're not going to be able to have the big strikes, maybe. You know, the Landers kid, maybe. But, you know, right now it's not proven that we can have those big strikes, and I bet Arkansas is wanting to grind them down, too. If they can line up and run the ball and average six yards a carry, I bet you Arkansas – will do just that, and that'll dictate a low-scoring game. The only thing that could make it higher scoring is is if somehow one of those receivers emerges early and we do attack their secondary, their corner spots that that's uh, uh, inexperienced that they've lost two great players at, and we could strike early, then maybe something could happen like that. But I, I think it would lean towards being an, an under game for sure. I'm thinking 28-17, 28-21. How do you feel about that? Do you want me to make a prediction? Yes, go ahead, make a prediction. And we'll, and we'll move on to other games. I think, I think it's going to be, it's going to be close. I'm going to say, I hate to say it, I think Cincinnati could win this one, based on the fact that, uh, based on the fact that I think their guys have been under the lights in that playoff game last year and got a taste of what that was like, and Arkansas has no idea what they're getting into with that quarterback over there, and that splitting time on defense hurts me. I think it'll be a really, really tight game and a field goal game either way. Um, I want to thank Bowen Heffley for the segment with Coach Kelly. This will be the last one. It's been uh, it's been a good ride, Coach. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> that's honest. That's honesty. I like it. Speaking of honesty, we got a lot of honesty from John Gruden yesterday. I know you had a chance to pick his brain a little bit, or maybe he was picking yours as you guys were flying around yesterday and getting him to Little Rock, what uh, what that conversation go like, or at least the part that you can share with us? You know, I, I've been off and on a Gruden fan over the years. He's a very animated guy, and I'm a fairly animated guy too. And and he he really pulls no punches, on, and he's very transparent and honest. And and I wondered how that would go, but I'm going to spend several hours with him, and and it was a lot of fun talking to him football-wise. But then, you know, we just broached the subject. Hey, can we talk about the emails? Can we talk about the situation? He was very open and candid about it, which I thought was pretty cool. And I thought, well, I wonder if he is he going to take this into the touchdown club. And that's really, he's an open book as far as that stuff goes. You know, he was very, you know, he was very remorseful when we were talking about it privately. And, 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 and he's right. You know, if you followed all of us around with a camera and a microphone, you know, you'd find things. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Uh, certain types of things that are really, you know, uh, looked upon badly or, or reflect on other people or anything like that. But you'd find things that you didn't want said to people. You didn't want people finding out that you said. And and you know, being in the spotlight and, and you know, in the privacy of emails, he did those things. And some of the things he said were awful. Just like he said, I like that he owned up to it. I think he really, really is remorseful. You could see, you know, he had tears in his eyes uh, talking about it, and, and it wasn't about what he had lost because he's fine. I mean, you know, I just said, hey, forget all that other stuff. How's life right now? He said, it's fantastic. No stress. I, I don't have to worry about money. I'm in a great situation, you know. 
spending time with my wife. I'm following my boys around. But he loves football and wants to get back in. He hates that he's damaged, you know, uh, the Raiders because he loves that they gave him, a ch- you know, another chance to coach. And he hates that he's damaged the game of football. He feels like we're losing people there and anything like this is not a good thing. So when we were talking, Candle, I, I really grew to really like the guy and really feel like, you know, he wants a chance to own this. He wants a chance to really apologize on a national stage. And I don't think he realized that that was going to end up being a national stage on ESPN last night. But I hope the guy gets another chance because he loves football. He comes from a great lineage, and, uh, and and he's got tons of energy. And he really is a fun, fun guy to be around. I mean, talk to John, John Daly about some of the times they've had. And, you know, I think he's helped John through some of the hard times. I think John's helped him through some of the hard times. And it was fun on another – I got to sit with them for an hour and listen to them talk and – have some good conversations, and it, it, it really showed a good friendship side of both those guys. Too. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, the first thing is that stood out to me was emails are never private. I mean, that stuff's uh, too. There's too easy for that to come out. So that was something that you said that I was like, it should be. You should expect that. I mean, there is an expectation, I think, but there's also the uh, the fact that uh, it's, it's it's too easy to get that out there. But yeah, I was glad that he was open about it. I thought that was helpful. And and the other part you said too was about you know being in Little Rock and, and not being on a national <laughs> stage. I mean everything gets out nowadays. So yeah, um, yeah. Thank yeah. thank God for social media and, and curse social media at the same time. But yeah, I mean it's the beginning I mean, of know, his, his road back. He was against it. Yeah, I don't think he was no, no, against no. It being on a national stage at all. I, I just think he didn't realize. You know, I mean if you if you're if you're an NFL coach and you're living in Tampa and you got a house in Las Vegas still and You've been on that stage, and they say, hey, come to the Little Rock Touchdown Club. Most touchdown clubs, to David Basil's credit, and uh, and everybody that puts that thing on. You know, I've been to a bunch of touchdown clubs. Most of them aren't like that. They're not nearly that size. They're not nearly that energetic and, and have that many things going on. I think he thought he was getting into a – even though David, I'm sure, told him, I think he thought he was getting into 75 or 100 people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you walk in there, and you're, looking, you're like, my goodness, look at, the, look at what Little Rock puts on. And – that's another reason we're all proud of Little Rock is we take everything and make it huge. We're talking with Kevin Kelly, and he's known for his onside kicks. So I got to ask Kevin Kelly about Scott Frost and his decision to kick the onside kick at the time of the game that he did it. What do you think? You know, especially for him and for them, I thought it was out of character. You know, I. Everybody's like, oh, you're crazy. You do it all the time. And it's that, you know, if it's the character of who you are and the character of your team, yes. I did like the part that I thought, you know, he in his head goes, I'm on the hot seat. We've been struggling, you know, and and I need to make a difference. And if they get that onside kick, it's a surprise. I want to, you know, so, you know, push the pedal to the metal, so to speak. And I want to win the game, not sit here and try not to lose the game. If he hits that onside kick, it's the old classic. Hindsight looks back and goes, "Go, what a genius. Nobody expected that. And he didn't, but it's not the character of his team. It's not the character of him. You know, unless he prepped that as a guy. If we get up in this situation, we're going to try it onside kick, that means his team might have not even been ready. That's a tough situation. So, And obviously, you know, that's a really, really good chance to turn their whole season around in game one and make it head towards a bad, a bad place, which could lead to bad things for his career. So, Hopefully, hopefully, uh, at least if you're a Nebraska fan, and I'm not, but if you're a Nebraska fan, you see what he's going to be as a coach, and can he pull him out of those depths, fight what, fight his way back, because people can say what they want to. Mm-hmm. You know, he feels that pressure, 
and he feels the social media pressure and the, and the national exposure that came with that game and with what happened. Mm-hmm. And he was sitting in a prime spot to win, and he ended up losing the game. And, and it does come down. That's why coaches at that level make tons of money, because that's what's going to come with it. Uh, I, I don't think he should have done it. To answer your question, a, a long way around. I don't think he should have done it then, uh, unless you know he had told his team in game preparation, you know, we might throw one of these in, and they were ready for it. If they were, you know, then then it's probably the right thing to do. Yeah. Well, they kicked it right at a running back too, which is also a bad move. I could just yeah, I didn't like the type of kick. Yeah. For sure. Well, I didn't see the headline in uh, Lincoln the next day, but I was just thinking international incident would have been a good headline for that game. So um, we're t- talking to Kevin Kelly, courtesy of Bowen Heffley Orthopedics, on the Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline. Let's shift gears and talk a little about Arkansas State. And Butch Jones obviously did not have a very memorable first year up there. I'm, I'm assuming, even though you were coaching a team, that you had a chance to keep up with it with Lane Hatcher on the roster. But, um, you know, things were tough, and he tried to use two quarterbacks, and they both had their moments. Lane's obviously uh, now cemented in at quarterback down at Texas State, and they've got an interesting game in opening week against Nevada. But what uh, – What's your expectation for Butch in year two with what he's done? Man, it, that's going to be tough, too. I have kept up just because I love football, and, I, and now I've got a little free time on my hands. But, you know, they lost a lot of guys. They lost a lot of starters, lost a lot of transfers. You know, they got some in the portal. But, man, the, the continuity is going to be tough to, to put together, especially early on. And, and thank goodness for them, they get a game where they're favored by a lot of points, so they had to go in with a little bit of confidence to be able to do that. It, they, they walk into Ohio State, and they walk into Memphis, and those are going to be two tough games for them. So uh, it's going to be tough to start the season off with success and then with the way that the season went last year and finishing up. Butch has got a very, very, very tough task on his hands. And, uh, you know, he's proven in the past that he could do some really good things with football teams. So if you're an Arkansas State fan, you know, you definitely think there's hope there, but he's got a, he's got a tough job, and he's got to you know I think they finished dead last in defense last year. So besides moving parts coming in and out the door, he's got to deal with that defense yeah. and fix that. So so he's got a tough scenario coming up. I mean, they definitely start off one and two, I think, and then uh, Old Dominion's not terrible. Then they go to Louisiana Monroe, but then James Madison. You know, look at the first half of their season. James Madison's a team that was in the finals of the of the FCS division uh, championship for a couple of years they, they've been right there at the top mm-hmm. they're not they're not going to be easy to beat either and if they come in and uh, they're able to beat you then you've got a tough because then your kids start questioning where you're going and what you're doing so you know he's got a tough job ahead of them in Arkansas State if they end up having a positive season out of this then Butch definitely turned the corner so we'll see how we'll see what plays out but but uh, it's going to be interesting, very interesting to watch. I hope for their sake that this first game is a mismatch in their favor, but you never know how it's going to go with this team. But for those who are facing complete mismatches, and there are plenty of them out there, we were talking about the Alabama-Utah State game, 41.5 still seems like a lot, but it is a game that should be won pretty comfortably by Alabama, you would think on paper. When you were in a situation like that, especially early in the season, how does your team get better against a team that's clearly inferior? You know, what we did, and I don't think enough coaches do this, is we handicapped ourselves. I mean, you want to win the game, but if you're Alabama, for instance, and you know you're going to win the game, if you're Ohio State playing Arkansas State, you have to think they're inferior to you. You're going to go in and you want to win the game. But, you know, what What I learned was the kids knew good and well what you were playing. They knew they were picked to win. They went in with a lot of confidence. So I, I didn't even try to fool them and say, hey, on any given Saturday or any given Friday, this team could beat you. I would go and just tell them, this team cannot beat you. We will win this game. There's no way they can win. 
But what we do want to do is make sure that we don't get into bad habits on this game. So here's what we're going to work on this week. We're going to work on, in the running game, we're going to work on the inside zone, and we're going to work on our gap schemes. And in the pass game, we're going to work on our intermediate passing. We're not going to throw any bombs. We're not going to throw any short stuff. We're going to work on our intermediate passing, our pass blocking for an extended period of time. And I would throw two or three or four things out there that we were going to focus on in that. You know, we played a team one time that we were really and, and uh, really uh, better than and going to beat, and I allowed no passes in the first half. You know, we ran the ball every single play. <laughs> and I told our team, that's going to make it harder. Eventually, they're going to go, these guys aren't throwing the ball. We're going to crowd the box. And you have to be better to be able to do that. So you get you can use those games to get better in, in, a, in a part of a unit or part of your team that you're going to need later on, and that's what we did. So uh, I don't think a lot of coaches are going to do that. I don't think a lot are going to tell them, hey, you're not going to get beat by this team. But in reality, we know that that's true. Ohio State's not going to lose to Arkansas State. And sorry, Arkansas State fans, that's just, that's just going to be tough because Ohio State's really good. And Alabama is not going to lose to Utah State. So those coaches need to find a way to make that game count because at the end of the year, they will wish they had every golden opportunity to get better, and the great coaches are going to do that. Coach, speaking of blowouts, we had a question last week, and I wrote it down for you. It was about the uh, sportsmanship rule in Arkansas. Uh, and I was at the state championship game last year, and someone said it's only happened one time. And the, you know, The sportsmanship rule was invoked, and the team came back and won the game, and that was one of Gus Malzahn's teams years ago. Have you heard that? Is that true? And have you ever been in one of those games where – it got a little close for you once you had that mercy rule invoked. No, I, I don't think that's true. I think that I think the rule still stands where it's never been. Nobody's ever come back on that. And uh, we had one in 2008, and I think we got up 56 to nothing at halftime. And I cleared the benches and put in the ninth grade, literally the ninth grade. It was at the end of the year, and we had moved up, moved them up. And they brought it back to 56 to 42, and I refused to put in my starters at that point. You know, I wasn't going to take a chance on getting them hurt, but it was 56 to 42 with a couple of minutes left. And so they scored 42, and we scored zero in the second half, and, and it did feel like they were going to come back and win. And, and honestly, they had a shot. At another one in 2006, conference championship game, last game of the year, we're up 28 to nothing. We throw a touchdown pass, Stephen Lux does, to Cruz Williams, uh, gets called back. It was a 50-yard touchdown pass that would have put the mercy rule on third quarter. It gets called back. Next play is an interception. We lose 42 to 35. Wow! So that was that was close to being the mercy rule, and uh, uh, but you know it ended up uh, not quite getting there. So, but once that clock starts and you're down 35 and it's the second half, I just don't I don't think there's any time for it to come back. I need a relatively short answer here because we got to hit a break. But when I was growing up in our in our uh, in Iowa. The rule was if you got down 50 at any point, the game was over. And we had one game, Coach, that went about three minutes into the third quarter, and we were on the bus, and I was at Pizza Hut by about 9.15. What, uh, what do you Did think? Did you is like a, that? I loved it because I knew we weren't coming back. It was a waste of everybody's time. I'm like, let's move on about our day. This team could play us 100 times, and they beat us 105 times. So what, uh, what do you think would be more effective? What do you think is a better rule? Uh, honestly, I, I think that – I wish they would involve a mercy rule that wasn't as sure because I'm still in the development of players. I mean, I can, you know, we went through two or three seasons where our starters did not play any, you know, in, in 75% of our games in the second half. But that meant the 10th graders that are out there busting their butt are going to practice harder. They're developing for next year and the year after, that kind of thing. So I, I, I'm not in favor of shortening the game any more than it has to. 
And, uh, you know, and sometimes the scores get out of hand. Sometimes you got to go with that. There's learning lessons. You know, I was yeah. like, that's what my butt 63 to nothing. You know, we were back and told our team, you know, hey, it's, you know, it's our job to stop them. And, and some people don't take that. But, but that's a chance to go. If you don't like the way that feels, let's practice better. Let's practice harder. Let's do the opposite, build things better. So I think that's a big part of, of, of life. And, you know, I mean, if I go in and I apply for a job and, 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 and you know, somebody that's got uh, a, a a doctor's degree applies for a job and they look at me and go, he beat you really bad at this. It doesn't matter. I got beat. I got to go find a way to get better if I'm going to apply for that job next time or go get another degree. You know, you're going to get beat bad sometimes. You're going to get beat by a little bit sometimes. But in the end, you got beat. You need to find a way to get better out of that and use that going forward. And so that's what I think they need to do. Well, as a father of a son who got in for two glorious plays the other night in a game that was uh, well in hand, I'm with you. I think they should leave it for development, too. It's good. Coach, thanks for the time. Enjoy your trip. We'll talk to you next week, hopefully in person. All right. Appreciate it. And, again, I want to thank uh, Bowen Heffley, orthopedic surgeons. I've, I've got a new problem. I tore some stuff and went in, and they've already helped me out a lot. So I appreciate them because it makes the trip I'm on a little bit easier, too. Very good. Coach, appreciate you. Take care. Have a good weekend. Thank you. All right.